0: You're on educateforlife.com radio with Kevin Carnivore. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become
1: Unshut. I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over. She
0: We're now at DEFCON 1.
2: Did you say Carnivore or Carnivore?
1: Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover.
0: Bring your time and bring your shame.
3: Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. And if you've been paying attention to the news and what uh, Trump is doing, uh, we just had the National Day of Prayer, and uh, he signed a religious freedom executive order, and uh, just just a couple days ago, um, and on the National Day of Prayer. So, very exciting stuff happening in the news with religious freedom. Some people don't like it. They're afraid that our country is going to become a theocracy. Basically, it's going to be uh, ruled by God. And uh, my guest today is an expert on our Christian religious foundings in the country. And his name is David Barton. He's the founder and president of Wall Builders, which is a national pro family organization that presents America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our moral, religious, and constitutional heritage. And um, it's a real privilege for me to have him on the show. He, he uh, has been very influential in my, my own life all the way from high school. I teach a lot of what he teaches in my class uh, at Christian High School in El Cajon, uh, where I teach apologetics and the Bible and so forth. He's the author of numerous best-selling books, and uh, he, he speaks over 400 times a year. Uh, He has a huge, thousands of original writings from the founding era, all kinds of uh, prayer proclamations, and as well as uh, some of George Washington's writings, and a lot of other the early presidents and founders of our country. Uh, He's an expert in the historical and constitutional issues, uh, and he's even, he's a a consultant to state and federal legislators. He's participated in several cases at the Supreme Court, and he was involved in the development of the history and social studies standards for states- like Texas and California. Um, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of bragging on him right now because I just want you to know who you're listening to on the radio here. And I think it's important that, uh, you know, your ears kind of perk up and pay attention. Uh, he's been called America's historian. Time magazine called him a hero to millions. Um, they named him as one of America's 25 most influential evangelicals. He's received numerous national and international awards, including who's who in education, Dar's Medal of Honor and the George Washington Honor Medal from the Freedoms Foundation at Valley Forge. He's also received several Angel Awards, Telly Awards, and the Dove Foundation Seal of Approval. And he is married to his wife, Cheryl, and uh, they live in Alito, Texas. They have three grown married children and three grandchildren. And, um, David, thank you so much for being on the show today.
4: Hey, Kev, good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, fantastic. And you're here in San Diego um, for the mayor's luncheon that's happening. Uh, well, we're, we're recording this. If you're listening, we're recording this ahead of time. But today, you're heading over to the mayor's luncheon right, right after our interview here that's today. That's right. That's fantastic. That's I was right. so excited when they told me that you were going to be um, joining us. That's a big blessing. And uh, I thought what would be relevant to talk about, along with the fact that Trump just signed a religious freedom executive order, is, um, that there is a case that's right heading up right to the Supreme Court and by
4: the way, before we say, yeah. That- I got a, you You're pointing out how people think that's heading toward theocracy. Yeah. I got a point. All that executive order does is go back to what the First Amendment said before it was reinterpreted half a dozen years ago. Yeah. So that's like saying, oh, we've had a theocracy for the last 223 years, but Obama got us out of a theocracy, but we're going back to it. Now, how ridiculous it? So for those who make that criticism, they're not even thinking about what they're talking about. They're, yeah. they're repeating Pablo that somebody else has said. All that executive order does is simply go back to – the traditional interpretation of the first amendment that we've had for 229 years and people are crying theocracy or, and it is so funny because i mean quite frankly i don't think they know what the definition of theocracy yeah. is yeah. but you cannot have a theocracy in america it's impossible As long as you get to elect your leaders, you cannot have a theocracy. Mm. A theocracy is a nation where a leader is appointed, and they're unelected, they're unaccountable, and they speak on behalf of God to everybody. Yeah, directly from God. That's right. If we had Samuel here, if we had the Ayatollah Khomeini or somebody, we could be a theocracy. But as long as we get to have elections, and as long as we have a constitution that governs us, it's impossible to have a theocracy. So, yeah. so people who throw out that straw man, it, it's, it really is kind of a nonsense. Yeah, it's a, a straw man. It I is.
3: feel like it's kind of like, uh, you know, we people are always accused of fear-mongering, and it's really to create this artificial uh, fear that really, like you said, is not going to happen. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, and,
4: but see, that that's a commentary on how bad our education is today, mm-hmm. that people don't rise up and laugh at them in the face and say, you're kidding, we can't have a theocracy. Don't you know what the definition is? Yeah. No, I don't. But yeah. somebody said, we're having one, and I don't want one. And so it really is a commentary on how bad our education in general is that we don't instantly recognize what a theocracy is and that we don't yeah. have one and that we can't have one. It's impossible to have one as long as we have the U.S. Constitution.
3: And as soon as somebody opens in prayer for a public event, you know, a government official opens in prayer, people start crying, theocracy, theocracy. Yeah. And it's like, it's ridiculous.
4: It is. I, the, the, nobody knows what that means, but they all react to it as, as if it's a radioactive virus of some kind. Yeah, crazy.
3: Well... um, wallbuilders.org, that's your website, right? Yes, sir. Or you, dot
4: .com or dot .net or anything you go to, okay, Wallbuilders. Okay, so just
3: Wallbuilders. Just type it in. And, and there's all kinds of resources on this website. I can't recommend it highly enough if you want to research the truth about these issues. Um, so what's happening right now is there is a Supreme Court case, and this is, I guess, uh, our new Supreme Court Justice, Neil Gorsuch, this is going to be his first religious liberty uh, court case that he has to make a decision on. So it's, it's a big deal. And it has to do with the fact that in Missouri, a church has a playground and the, the state was giving money to redo the, the playground ground, the, the ground. They were putting uh, rubber, which was um, recycled rubber from tires on playgrounds. But when it came to the church, they said separation of church and state, the government, the Missouri government can't give money for them to repave their playground in this rubber cement. And um, the schools were decided upon by how desperately they needed it, basically how poor they were. This school, uh, Trinity, um, ranked, I believe, number four, number five, and then they were kicked off the list uh, because of the cry of separation of church and state. And so can you give us feedback on this? Why is this yeah, not— and,
4: Well, there, there's a couple things going here. Yeah. Uh, before we even look at that issue, let's put the, the boundaries around it. We're playing baseball. Let's determine where the fences are. Let's determine what the out-of-bounds are. So with this, this is a religious issue, and they're going to say—and they do say separation church and state. It violates that. Okay, before we do that, let's just look at the First Amendment for a minute. In the First Amendment, there are five freedoms guaranteed. One of them is freedom of speech. And so, freedom of speech, or it's also included by the court to be freedom of expression, freedom of association, et cetera. So you have you have that right, and that includes all speech, whether it's religious or not. Um, I, I mean, under freedom of speech, a kid can say God at graduation if he wants to. But what the Founders did was they gave double security for religion. They said, "Oh, by the way, you also get protection for religion. You're religious, that's so you get double protection." Now, what what I argue with folks, I've been on a lot of a lot of national TV programs and say, "Hey." Do you not think that religious speech is speech? Is that not protected all and so? Well, we also get a double whammy because we also get freedom of religion. And if our speech is religious, that specifically means we can do it. And yet you guys are sp- singling out religious speech and saying, what? Well, you get less than everybody yeah. else. Yeah, that, bizarre. That's bizarre. Nice. It's flipping Constitu-
3: out on our head. They're, they're flipping That's right. Yeah.
4: Constitutionally, the founding fathers gave extra Security, extra rights to religious than they did non religious. Now, what happened was you go through a series of court cases, and all this started changing back in 1947 when they reinterpreted what separation meant. Then you get to 1962, 63, the first application and policy, and then the court starts saying, oh, and they get to 1970, and thereabouts they say, you know, we've got to treat religion and non religion equally. For for two hundred years, we've been preferring religion, which mm. is what the Constitution requires. Yeah, but now we're going to treat you equal, and then they come out with what's called the Lemon Test in seventy one, that says you can only have something religious if it has a secular purpose to it. And so that's what they've used, and, and that's
3: why that's why a lot of the uh, monuments, like the cross monuments and so forth, the the lawyers are arguing that they're memorials, not that they're religious symbols. That's because right. They, they have, have a secular to purpose it based on the Lemon Test.
4: That's right. Yeah. And the limit test is a stupid test. I mean, you, the only way a religious activity is constitutional, if its primary purpose is secular, you'll never show prayer has a primary secular so purpose. so I mean, So it's an overt bias against what the Constitution says. Yeah. Yeah. But even under that overt bias, tell me Now, let's just go back to the court says, oh, we're supposed to treat religion and non-religion equally. Well, we give rubber tire scraps to every other non-religious group, but we can't to a religious group. Now, wait a minute. That violates your own test. And by the way, it is a secular purpose so that if you fall off the playground and land on your head, you don't get hurt. That's not a religious purpose to that. So it meets your stupid lemon test. So what's the issue with this? Well, you're a religious person. You can't have any rights at all. And that's the bottom line of where this is headed. Because under even the court's own abysmal tests that violate the Constitution itself, this passes all the courts' tests. Yeah. But now, now they're saying you're religious, we can't do anything for you.
3: Well okay, we're coming up on a break here, but I have a question for you. You know, I, I not too long ago I interviewed Dan Barker on here, who is the co founder of the Freedom from Religion Foundation. And and my question is, do people are they aware that they're literally destroying the First Amendment or is this something they're doing by accident or or do they are they just ignorant? I'm, I'm curious yeah. when we get back we'll, we'll answer that Okay, That's a good question my, my guest is David Barton and uh, he's all the way here in San Diego from Texas and uh, I got the privilege of having him on the show today and I hope you'll stay and listen to the whole show because it's incredibly important the stuff that we're talking about for the future of our nation for our kids future in this nation and for the spread of the gospel really when it comes down to it so stay with us we're going
5: to be right back <laughs>
0: one nine two
1: two two zero seven sixty six When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760 439 Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631.
5: I will cast my on
3: you. You're the Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org, where you can get an education for life. And you can listen to a recording of this show. If you didn't get to hear the first segment or you're interested in some of our past shows, Love to have you check it out. They're on YouTube, they're on iTunes, uh, they're on Facebook, and I'd love to have your feedback too. My guest today is David Barton, and what we're talking about is, we've just been talking about is religious freedom under the First Amendment, as well as uh, a current Supreme Court case, U.S. Supreme Court case, um, which is uh, a church getting funding for its playground uh, from the government. The government essentially said, because you are Christian, we will not fund your playground. And I don't know how that's... And, and it really is. We don't want the
4: kids in your playground to be safe because it's not funding the playground. Yeah. It's giving them these shredded rubber tires to put underneath your swings and underneath your trapezes and whatever. So if you fall, you don't get hurt as bad. Yeah. We don't want to protect your kids. We're not going to let you have this ground up rubber tire from these discarded tires. We let all the secular guys have that, but we're not letting religious guys protect their kids.
3: Really? Yeah, and that's, I mean, the the First Amendment uh, is all about protecting religion, and yet this is the exact uh, reverse. In the name of religion, in the name of the First Amendment, we are going to
4: prevent you from getting funded. But see, here's the, and this goes to the the question you were going to ask about Dan Barker with Freedom for Religion Foundation. Yeah. Tell me what the First Amendment is, because you have the actual written one, but you have the rewritten one by the courts. Mm. And so— And
3: that's important when it comes to— wait, if all you're saying here, uh, David, is true, then how come we're in the, the dilemma we're in because today? Because
4: we believe in a living constitution today. Mm-hmm. And Barker and those guys believe in a living constitution, even though the First Amendment originally says that – and by the way, here's the only thing that can't be done religiously according to the First Amendment. It says Congress shall make no law mm-hmm. respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now – Unless you can show me how Congress passed a law establishing a national religion by allowing rubber tires to be ground up for a Christian playground, unless you can show me that's a federal law establishing, then there's no prohibition of the First Amendment against what, what that church wants to do in getting those rubber tires.
3: Okay, now now you're going all the way back to the original intent of the Constitution.
4: I'm just going to the original wording of the Constitution the as wording. it exists right now. And every justice on the Supreme Court took an oath to uphold the Constitution, but the difficulty is— and this started a, a few decades ago is, well, we think the Constitution is a living, breathing document. And, and, and here's, the, here's the best explanation of what the living Constitution is. Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes said, we are under a Constitution. But the Constitution is what the judges say that it is. Uh, and that's tyranny. Now, see, what happens at that point is my opinion is the Constitution. If I happen to have a black row bone, whatever I say, I am God. Now, here's where we got a theocracy. you got a the- secular theocracy here. Mm. You have a secular guy saying, I'm God. When, when I tell you that it's this way, that's the way it is for the whole nation. Now, that's not what the language says, but see, that's where Barker and those guys are. They said, well, look, the, the court in the last three decades has said all this religious stuff is bad, and that's the First Amendment. No, it's not. First Amendment's written in black and white. But you see, it, it, and this is where we get into the problem of the current culture. Right now, polling shows that two out of three Americans believe that there is no absolute truth.
3: Mm.
4: Now, when you believe that, the First Amendment really doesn't mean what it says. Two out of three Americans say, well, it just means what we want it to mean. Really? Try living your life with no matter—65 I, I, miles an hour is what I want it to be. If I think it's 83, yeah. you know, tell yeah. that to the highway Nobody patrols. can live like that. It, nobody can live like that. But, w- but we have this thing that we believe there's no absolute truth. And four out of five millennials, by the way, believe there's no absolute truth. Yeah. So when you're dealing with that, then that's where Barker and Freedom From Religion Foundation get all their footing because they simply say, hey, here's what the court's saying, and we're just standing—but the problem is that's not what the courts are saying. And so when these guys get into—I I, I think— Uh, These guys have been going at it for years, barking these guys, and they win nearly all their cases by people capitulating on the threat of lawsuit. I I don't think I recall a single case that they have won in court. So even in court, when you get there, they don't win their cases. But they argue and they bluster and, and, you know, the sky's falling kind of thing, and they threaten, and we're going to sue you. Yeah. And so people just capitulate, and school districts sign consent agreements. It's always a stupid idea to sign any consent agreement because you're binding your own hands and saying, "Punch me in the face."
3: So, what's your encouragement to you know um, people in leadership in public schools and so forth, and in uh, you know especially Christians who are uh, yeah. heavily involved in the public schools? What, what's your encouragement to well, them based the, <clears> on what you're here, saying? Here's the
4: thing that happens: is yeah. when you look at at schools and and really. Litigation risk. They, they want to limit the risk of litigation because that's, that's money, a that's school mm-hmm. board, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so every school has a school attorney, and every school board has their attorney. And so, what they do is they say, hey, you know, w- we saw here that at Christmas time they're going to sing Joy to the World. Isn't that a Christian song? You can't sing that at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Check our attorney. Or our attorney says you can't do that. Our, we, we, we'll give up. Freedom from Religion Foundation. What happens is school board attorneys and school attorneys may be pretty good at insurance and they may be pretty good at contracts and personnel. Yeah. They're terrible at constitutional issues. Yeah. Yeah. The guys who argue the Constitution on a day by day basis, all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, there's seven of these. Legal groups across the United States, they represent and fight any of these cases for free. That's incredible. And so all you got to do is when you hear something come up or you, you hear, you know, Freedom from Religion Foundation says, hey, you got a nativity scene out in the public square. Get rid of that thing. Yeah. Don't ask the city attorney. Tell the city attorney, or tell your councilman, "Hey, go ask Pacific Justice Institute, go ask First Liberty, go ask Alliance Defending Freedom, go ask Liberty Counsel, because these guys win these cases at the Supreme Court all the time." American Center for Law and Justice. Last I knew, all seven of those groups together win over ninety five percent of their cases wow. on this issue. So, and the, that's
3: because they have court precedent. They, I mean, all the way back in U.S. history,
4: and even with the current stupid decisions of the court today, we still win. Yeah. So you know, even on the evolving Constitution, we still win. And what happens is, guys like Barker and those others go out and, and blow smoke about what the Constitution says. Well, that's their view of it, and they're welcome to their view. They have a right to an opinion. Sure. But that doesn't mean that's where the courts are. It doesn't mean that they've accurately portrayed where the courts are. It doesn't mean that they've accurately portrayed how often they get their ears pinned back in court. What they went on is when a school board says, "Oh my gosh, we got a letter from Freedom Religion Foundation. Mm-hmm. We've checked with our attorney. He says we need to stop this." No, and they
3: just kind of they just kind of take
4: it. They, they just, just they capitulate. Yeah, they, they they capitulate without firing a single shot. And and, and 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 you can't do that.
3: And a lot of Christians are so unaware of the truth of the issue regarding separation of church and state and these other issues that they think, hey, we've lost already before they even had a discussion about it.
4: And the, the fact is that even under their restrictive definitions, we still win all the time. That's amazing. And, and so that that's the thing. And, and, you know, quite frankly, right now, it shocks people. But we just had two more states pass a law on this. Right now, you have 200,000 public school students getting credit for studying the Bible in public schools. It's a credit course. They do nothing but study the Bible, no other textbook, and they get credit for it in public. You can't do that. Twelve hundred school districts are doing it. That's now,
3: that's fantastic.
4: The other side has not stopped that because even under the restrictive rulings of the court, this is still legal.
3: Now, what's interesting to me about this is, because um, I was I was reading up on this very issue, that they're offering not just like a Bible as history class, but it's literally a full-on christian class
4: it is the bible the yeah. bible is your
3: textbook yeah and that's it and 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 yet public schools are giving credit for that
4: giving credit and for that's it. completely constitutional it's completely constitutional it's all the way even to this hostile supreme court today it's still constant and hostile in religious liberty areas yeah uh it's, it's still completely constitutional and, and it's, it's striking we win every case on this that that gets challenged in court so if every if, one I, of them. if
3: i wanted my local public school to start offering a, a bible class how would i go about doing that
4: or how well that? It, there's two things in, in texas we kind of took care of that uh and, and several other states have as well and, and what we do is we say if 15 kids go to the administration and say we want this class the administration cannot say no wow now without that law you can have the entire school go to the principal and say we want this class and the principal can still say no because he's the in charge of the school so by law in a number of states they've taken it out of the hands of the administrators and put mm-hmm. it in the hands of the kids And if the kids want that bible class you cannot tell them no so that is something that even to this day is very legal Um, in california uh, there are a number of school districts in california that already use this course and curriculum and kids get credit for it now not every school does that and most people don't know about it all you got to do is say hey National Council and Bible Curriculum Public Schools. I want their course here. We get credit for it. This has been done in fifty states across the nation, I want it here too. That's and the fantastic. principal says you can't do that. Well, here's all the legal grades because they give you all the legal cases showing yeah. that it can be done. It's really easy to do. So you just get kids to go start asking the principal I and giving it. them the documents. It's I love it. An
3: easy thing. Okay, this is my. Uh, you're you're giving me my uh, goals for the upcoming year here. This is exciting.
4: <laughs> well, I, you know, I'll add on to that. I think it's. I think the last count was 187 cases that we've won. Uh, on what are called good news clubs. Yeah, and, we have them all over that's uh, right. East County schools. And yeah. the Supreme Court itself, I think four years ago, even ruled that a teacher can be involved in an evangelism club. These good news clubs are to win kids to Christ. Yeah. Even teachers can lead those clubs. No, you can't. Yeah, this is under the hostile Supreme Court. Yeah, wow. And you can even do that right now. Yeah, and, and you know, we seem to be trending in a good direction right now. When, with
3: uh, Even with the hostile stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, my guest today is David Barton, and uh, we're having a very uh, – enlightening conversation and i hope you listen to the whole thing and i hope you not just listen to it but you actually get involved and you start to make a difference because um you know you you lose your rights if you don't use your rights and that's and we have all kinds of rights as christians in this country we have so many blessings because of those founding fathers who decided to put god first uh in our country so uh stay with us we're going to be right back
5: before i bring my need i will bring my heart
1: Thanks
3: for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can listen to a recording of this show or past shows, and I've got a whole homeschool curriculum on there as well. If you have kids and you want to educate them from a biblical perspective, you want to you look at the issues through the light of the Bible, um, it's a fantastic resource for you. Please check it out. My guest today is David Barton, and he is uh, uh, the president of Wall Builders. And I can't recommend uh, their website highly enough. They've got all kinds of incredible resources. If you're getting in arguments with people about whether our nation was founded on Christian principles, if, you're getting, if you, you hear things brought up like uh, James Madison didn't believe we were a Christian country and they're quoting the Treaty of Tripoli, or you're dealing with other issues regarding uh, Thomas Jefferson was a deist and he was opposed to Christianity and wanted our nation to be secular. These are the kind of issues he deals with. And what he does is he addresses them Uh, With original source material. So he's going all the way back to their actual writings and then showing you uh, what they actually thought. Isn't that right, David?
4: Yeah, we do. We own 100,000 documents from before 1812. Wow. So we own thousands and thousands of their original documents. We have their handwritten documents. How do you get a hold of those? You know, strangely enough, they're all over the nation and people don't know that. Uh, Now, they they know it a little more because of Internet now, but quite frankly, we have 250 folks we call, about 250 we call Founding Fathers. So 56 on the Declaration, 55 did the Constitution, 90 did the Bill of Rights. I speak at law schools and universities across the nation. And, And so I'll start out by throwing up a picture of the signers of the Declaration. 56 guys. Yeah. I say, all right, everybody tell me, call by name who you can recognize up there. Never get more than two. I had one university where I got a third name. Go really out of out of fifty six. You can give me a total of three. Wow! So if I see and I did recently, I saw a document come up for a hundred bucks. George Morton, great. Who's George Morton? He's a signer of the Declaration. I didn't know George Morton was a signer. <laughs> and see what happens is people have these old documents with names they don't recognize. Now, if you say George Washington, Ben Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson, yeah, they, yeah, g- all right, got that. But if you say George Mort- Morton, or if if you say somebody like Matthew Thornton. Or if you say somebody like Samuel Huntington. Benjamin uh, Rush. Benjamin Rush. Yeah. You know, th- those are people people don't know. Yeah. And so that's where we get so much of this. And I, you know, I actually bought a book one time for 12 bucks. Uh, it was written by a guy named William Few. So what? He's a signer of the Constitution. Wow. 12 bucks. You that's know, so, incredible. It yes. is. So... It's – now it, or, uh, William, excuse me, Hugh Williamson was, was – it was Hugh Williamson we got the book for 12 bucks. Okay. And and so he's a signer of the Constitution too, but who knows that, you know? Yeah, no. So I, you got Madison Washington signed the Constitution. Nobody else did, right?
3: So do you think it's true those who don't know their history are destined to repeat it? Do
4: you think – Well, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it happens every time you don't you yeah, know, do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the history is full of that being true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like we're, we're, we're in this thing now where two out of three believe there's no absolute truth. So, yeah. Okay, go jump off the Empire State Building to see what happens. I I don't care what your truth says. Your truth says gravity won't affect me. I'll do whatever I want to do. You're still going to hit the sidewalk below. It doesn't matter what you do. I was
3: out camping at a a campground. We had gotten to this conversation with some other campers, and they they said to me, uh, they said, we can't know anything for sure
4: Are you sure about that? I know. I, I, I (laughs) I was thinking to
3: myself, "Are you serious?" Yeah. And and this was an older couple that considered themselves scientists. Yeah. And they said, "We can't know anything for sure." I said, "Well, is that water wet?"
4: And they said, yeah. And I said, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no? And, I, and it, it just is ludicrous. But are, are the laws of gravity still enforced? Do the laws of thermodynamics matter? Are, are there laws of motion, motion? Are there laws of yeah. I Yeah. Mean, these laws are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, and they have not changed no matter what our technology does and when it comes because to, they're timeless. Yeah.
3: And when it comes to morality, this becomes even more yeah. uh, important. Uh, is it always wrong to abuse a child? Oh, of right? course not. It depends on the situation. Yeah, it depends on the situation. I, and and I'm down at, I am down. I go witnessing down at the beach sometimes, and I ask people this, and I say, are there moral principles that are true for everybody in all times and all places? They say, no. I say, when is it right to abuse a child? They say,
4: never. I said, do you realize you just contradicted yourself? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? right. But- this is the, the
3: thinking nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy. That's right.
4: and, and see, that, that's another one of those things. Uh, and, and this goes back. We, I mean, this, I'm chasing a rabbit trail here. Yeah, yeah. But this goes back to something that happened in the 1920s. Progressives really took education in the 1920s, and, and, and they did five systemic changes in education. And one of the biggest systemic changes from which we still suffer today is until the 1920s, education was all about teaching students how to think in the 1920s, we switched like logic
3: it, and stuff. Logic. Yeah.
4: A- and, and in the 1920s, we changed it. No, we're going to teach students how to learn. And so what happened was the emphasis with progressives is the teachers are more important than the students. And we're going to make the teachers the center of knowledge, the source of knowledge. Mm. And instead of teaching you students how to fish for yourself, we're going to let the teachers give you fish. That's interesting. And so what happens is... Was that
3: deliberate or was that accidental?
4: No, because they they always have an elitist mentality and they always want a smaller group controlling things. Mm. And so what happens, it's in the... consolidation of power. It is. Yeah. It's in the 1920s is the first time that you will see multiple choice, true, false, and fill in the blank. Oh, wow. Now, why is that? Because it's all about having the student repeat back to me what the teacher told me. Mm. I'm the teacher. You tell me what I told you. Did I say A, B, C, or D? Is this true or false that I said this? Fill in the blank on what word I use. So instead of teaching students to go out and get knowledge and, and come back and be able to argue and persuade on anything, we now teach them to learn, which means it's very easy to indoctrinate. Mm-hmm. Because you don't go out and challenge the second side. That's interesting. Uh, it, it's um, you know, it, it's so interesting to me now because of what I do. I'm am a target for the left big yeah. time. I mean, yeah. they, they they say, oh, you make up your history. Uh, did anybody point out that I own 100,000 original documents yeah, I and I'm simply <laughs> holding the original? You think I forged George Washington's letter? You, you think? And so instead of people saying, that's illogical, he owns the original documents. What, what do you mean he makes up history? He's got the originals. They don't think that. They say, you know, I read in the paper that you make up your history. I, that's right. And then they just go with it. And because that's indoctrination because yeah. they don't think they've been taught to learn. Yeah. And, well, I, read I
3: even it. have Christians that say that to me. Oh, and you, I, Especially. And, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, are you crazy? Did you look at the other side? Yeah. Did you actually evaluate the arguments? Did you look at
4: the information? See, what the, we did in school prior to that, and, and, and because we own these documents, we own so many old textbooks. And yeah. going through, we just finished an educational conference. We trained teachers, and we take them through textbooks starting in the 1600s, going all the way to the modern era. And we show them textbooks, and the way we used to teach students how to think was very intriguing. But one of the ways we did it was what we called forensics. And with forensics, and this is what we did with 13 year old students we took forensics. And I have a list of these forensics from back in the early 1800s. Robert Troop, Payne, and others did these. And and what you do is you go into the classroom and said, here is the question. Is it more dangerous to know too much or to know too little? You walk in, you look at two kids, say, all right, you take one side, you take the other. I don't agree with that side. It doesn't matter. You're going to argue that side. And then you flop the rolls. And so you have the kids say, all right, now i got to figure out what the weaknesses are in the other guy's argument. i got to fi- find the strengths I can argue in mine. And you start thinking through how do you make your points? How do you recognize weaknesses? How do you identify mm. gaps in logic? Mm. It, another one they had, the Boston Tea Party in 1773. Is that an act to be praised or an act to be condemned? Mm. Okay, kid number one, you're going to say that's an act to be praised, but I think it should be condemned. doesn't matter. You're going to take that, and then you'd flip it later. And so all these questions were all about teaching you how to think, how to recognize weaknesses in logic, how to recognize. But see, today we don't recognize it. So for me, I I get all these hit articles all the time coming out of me. A real journalist will always call the subject and say, hey, what is your take on this? Yeah. Well, they don't do that anymore today. They just, whatever they, I found all these articles about you online, and I'm just putting, this is news. To, yep, no, that's yep. fake news. That's and the exactly sad thing is, is that is. so
3: many people just fall for that. They but just they do go with it.
4: Because we don't think. Yeah. And, and so that's why when you start asking people on the beach like you do about child abuse, they haven't thought it through. Mm-hmm. Because they would recognize that there are a lot of things I think are absolutely right and wrong. Yeah. But my instant response is, oh, no, you can't know right and wrong. This is just what I've been brainwashed that, to That's to what think. I've been brainwashed. Yeah. And, and so that's what indoctrination is, and that's why we're, we're, in such an interesting period today, mm. because so much of what happens in America today is based on inconsistencies that are not even logical it 's a lack of common sense, but we don 't recognize it because we 've not been trained to think we 've been trained to learn, yeah, and so we 're not interested in all you know you mentioned earlier, I do standards for a lot of states, I cover a lot of states. And it's interesting to see how teachers respond when you give them an alternative view of the truth. Yeah. And, and it's not an alternative view of the truth. You give them an alternative view of history.
3: Yeah. Uh, my guest today is David Barton. We are on a break here, so um, we're going to come right back. Stay with us. We've got a couple segments left. Mm-hmm.
0: There's got to be more
3: than Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. Please visit my website if you're interested. We've got all kinds of amazing shows. Recently interviewed Dr. James Torr, one of the top 50 scientists in the world, on why he said there is no evidence whatsoever for evolution. Recently interviewed Dr. Henry Richter, the first uh, man to send a U.S. satellite into space. He was the lead, uh, the team leader and he's 90 years old uh, and a Bible-believing creationist, and uh, recently interviewed uh, lots of other experts on these areas. My guest today is David Barton, and uh, he is an expert on America's Christian history, and it is amazing, uh, the stuff that you can learn if you check out his website at wallbuilders.com. And uh, David, you were talking about teachers and how the way people teach today is totally different yeah. than the way they used to teach in the past.
4: And, and we're also at a point where so many educators do not want to learn new things. A, a great example: I was recently in a state appointed by the, the superintendent of public instruction to help do the standards in that state. And so, as we're working through history standards, um, there were teachers. Then, when we got into the '50s, '60s, they said, "Oh man, we got to cover McCarthyism. You know, all that evil stuff." Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, McCarthy, a Republican senator who was looking for communists in government, and he browbeat witnesses, and he was really, uh, he was really over-the-top and what he did, and the, the Senate even censured him for him. And they want to point out how bad Republicans are and how bad these conservatives are. I said, that's, that's great. We, we do that because that's history. You teach history. Sure. But make sure you also teach the Venona Papers. And they said, the Venona Papers? What's that? I said, well, the Venona Papers, you, you remember, the point of McCarthy was, I've been told that we have communist spies working inside the government, inside the military, and I'm going to dig them out because that's our enemy and they want to destroy us. And we did. Well, the Venona Papers, when the when the Soviet Union fell apart in the, the early late 80s, early 90s, they declassified their stuff and gave it to us. And the Venona Papers were the documentation of all the communist spies working in American government military in the 1940s and 50s that McCarthy was looking for. Mm-hmm. So now, excoriate McCarthy all you want for the way he behaved, but don't say he was on a witch hunt because the Soviets have given us the papers to say it here. And they said, well, we didn't hear about that, and we don't want to learn that. Yeah. Go, oh, isn't that interesting? You don't want to know about history unless it lines up with what you think with is there. With your preconceived bias. And, and what you're supposed to do is always teach the good and the bad and the ugly. You yeah. teach it all and you learn lessons from all of it. And, and another one he had in that same state when we got to civil rights movement in the 1960s. Uh, we're talking about Martin Luther King. I said, That's great. I said, uh, by the way. Let's make sure that in the textbooks we identify him as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah. This is, no, 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 no. We can't, we can't say that he's a preacher. I said, <laughs> well, wasn't he a preacher? Yeah, yeah. but, but, but we, we, we can't tell the kids that. I said, no, wait a minute. You just had the kids read the letter from the Birmingham jail. Now, you're not going to tell the kids that that was a preacher writing to eight other preachers outside of jail saying, why aren't you in jail with me? You should be standing. You're not going to tell the kids that the letter from Birmingham jail was one preacher writing eight other preachers. Why aren't you involved in the civil arena? No, 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 we can't. And and see, it's this thing where the teachers, because they are dispensers of all knowledge now, learning learning makes them the small end of the funnel. Everything Mm -hmm. comes through them to the kids. Well, we don't want to learn about the Venona Papers. And I I had several teachers tell me, I've never heard that before, and I I don't want to learn it. I'm, I'm too old to learn new stuff. Wow. Wow, too old to learn truth, too old to learn history. And so this is where we are now because we no longer teach our students how to think. They only get what somebody gives them. Yeah, and, and so and, it's, and the kids' it's learning gets stuff. all skewed. It's, it's all skewed, and it affects everything they do. It affects
3: everything. It's a domino effect yeah, as they're growing everything. up. It affects the way they they believe government should interact with people. That's right, and and, and everything, and it, it's horrible. But um, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because. I talked to, you know, I was up on Mount Soledad when the whole cross issue was going, which just got resolved after 25 years here in San Diego. Isn't Mount that a
4: terrible thing oh. that there's actually a war memorial that is the shape of a cross? Can you believe that? I know. <laughs> I mean, how, how offensive is that? My yeah, gosh. Yeah.
3: And if you're in San Diego uh, and listening, you, you're you well aware of this issue, but you may not be aware. It just got resolved last year, 2016. And um, I was arguing with an atheist up there. She's the uh, director of the San Diego Coalition of Reason. Her name's Debbie, a- Debbie Allen. And I actually have this on video. If you want to check it out on my website, it's a- an amazing video. But basically, she started telling me why the cross should come down, and I started actually quoting a lot of your stuff. I had read- that Je- get you in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had read the Jefferson lies and everything, and, and I said, would Thomas Jefferson today want this cross to come down? I said when they, when they were putting together the First Amendment, which I know Thomas Jefferson was not uh, right. did not write the First Amendment, but he was still, you know. I said, "Would the founding fathers want this cross to come down?" And you know what she said to me? She didn't answer the question. She said they were slaveholders. <laughs> yeah, and they right. didn't let. I'm women, not going to answer but, your question. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
5: <laughs> right. That's right. And 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 <laughs>
3: I, and I was like, "Wait a second! You just went way off track." That's here, right. Right, right. You don't want to answer the question because yeah, you, but you know the answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: and so <laughs> he's your hero usually on this issue. Until you get penned on Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what I said.
3: Until... until you, so anyway, so yep. uh, I ended up... We, we had this long discussion, but I wanted you to talk real quickly about the your book, The Jefferson Lies, because yeah. um, she said, hey, Jefferson was a deist. He didn't believe in God. He wanted a secular nation. He actually ripped the Bible apart and rewrote his own Bible because he didn't <laughs> like the way the Bible was written. Yeah. And, you know, these are lies I've heard all my life. Um and so, until I read your book, I was like, "Oh, hallelujah! Yeah. Somebody who I, who I can actually look at and go." Because I knew it in my heart for some reason that this wasn't right, but your book really helped me out. Can you can you uh, yeah, the, explain some of the those Jefferson
4: issues? lie? And I want to I want to hit some of those that you raised, but I want to I want to start with the one that I hear the most from kids and millennials, and and, and that is Jefferson fathered children with this with the, Sally a slave, and, and therefore, what are they saying? They're saying he's an illegitimate source. Of, uh, of, you, you can't look to him for anything. That's right. Because and, and by the way, this is now scientifically proven. The DNA evidence has shown that he fathered children with Sally Hemings. And so Monticello, uh, they're Jefferson's home. They now have this big display on Sally Hemings. And, and so it's interesting because all of that DNA evidence came out in November of 1998. Sally Hemings had five children and... they're they're fathered by Jefferson, DNA evidence. And the guy who, Joseph Ellis, wrote the piece in Nature and Science magazine that says, well, we now know. Eugene Foster did the DNA testing, and DNA evidence came out, and here uh, Joseph Ellis goes and says, we now know it. You know, Jefferson fathered the child. Well, okay, everybody knows that. I I recently asked a group of about 100 college kids uh, from about – 40 different colleges said, how many of you have heard your professors say that? 95%. Now, this this announcement was made in 1998. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're back a few decades now. Yeah. But they're still teaching. 95% is, yeah, my teacher told me that. I said, did they point out that that story was retracted six weeks after it ran? Because as it turns out, they never used Thomas Jefferson's DNA in the testing. So if oh. you never used Jefferson's DNA in the testing, how did you prove he was the father? Of Sally Hemings through DNA testing. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Cricket silence. Yeah. And so what happens is so much of what we know about Jefferson today just ain't so. Yeah. Because an article ran in 1998 that was later retracted, but originally it ran in 220, 211 national news outlets. It was only, the, the retraction was only noted in 11 of those outlets. Wow. So more than 200 kept silent about it. To this day, people think the DNA proves that Thomas Jefferson fathered slaves with Sally Hemings. No, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, Eugene Foster went back and did a second DNA testing, still didn't have Jefferson's DNA to test. So So, what is he
3: doing? I mean, how is he drawing these conclusions? Well,
4: way back in the day, 200 years ago, it was said that Thomas Jefferson's brother Randolph Jefferson fathered the children, and and the, the... the names of of Sally Hemings were from the Randolph family. I mean there were names in the Randolph family. But people said, No, 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 it's Thomas. Well, they went back and tested DNA from the Jefferson family, but not from Thomas. And they found that there was DNA from the Jefferson family in Sally Hemings' children. Well, that's no news flash. We've known that for two hundred years back with Randolph. Mm. But now they want it to become Thomas Jefferson, because by making it Thomas Jefferson, that helps their political agenda go forth. Yes. Because yeah. Jefferson's a respected figure, and if you can discredit him, then all the things he says about limited government, about immigration, all the things he says about staying out of debt, all the things he says about making sure don't, we don't become secular, you can dump all of that by saying, well, he's an illegitimate source of the founding fathers because yeah. he slept with his slaves. Yeah.
3: No, not so. My guest today is David Barton, and he is a historian, an expert on America's founding fathers and our 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 Judeo-Christian history. Stay with us. We've got one segment left. We'll be right back.
0: For 36 years, Fast Lane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fast Lane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride. 619-222-0766, FastLaneSailing.com. At Dana Landing. Marine. Arena across from SeaWorld, 619
5: genes.
2: homes.com will cares on you.
3: welcome to educate for life i'm your host kevin conover this is our last segment today i hope you're having a good saturday my website's educate for and uh we just had um, i'm actually recording this show with david barton on the national day of prayer and uh if you if you were watching the news donald trump recently signed the religious freedom executive order and uh we're seeing some positive things in the in the uh, government and in the news uh, Trump has said that he's going to r- relax um, restrictions on pastors being able to talk about uh, political candidates and and uh, also, he's going to make sure that people have religious freedom. By the way, Kev, yeah. can, can yeah. I comment on that? Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that this is a really fair thing, because everybody else gets to say what they want about political things, but we don't let pastors say that. And I think it should stay that way. We should have a bias toward pastors. Yeah. But they, they should not have the constitutional right to free speech everybody else has. I mean, unions are 501c3s, too, and they endorse candidates, and they can do that. But I don't think churches should be able to do what everybody else in America can how stupid is that?
3: Well, that's religious freedom,
4: uh, uh, David. I mean, that's isn't that clear? See, <laughs> and that's the irony of this whole argument. Oh, pastors shouldn't be able to get involved in politics. So wait a minute, they're five hundred 501c3 and so are unions. You, you don't say that about unions. Yeah. You don't say that about no. teachers' groups. You don't. Why? Why do you? Why do you hate pastors so much that you say we don't want them to have free speech? Well, I've
3: got a. I've got another real world question for you, and that that pertains to that. I'm curious about your answer. I find it strange that as a Christian, because I work at a Christian school, and we're constantly struggling to make ends meet financially. Right, right. And I'm, I, I've talked to several people about this. I say the charter schools uh, get, get money. You the bet. public schools get money. You bet. And I said, why is it that the Christian school doesn't get money? And the answer is because you're Christian. And I said, oh, religious freedom. We're Christian, yeah, therefore see, we don't get that, that support. The founding
4: fathers had a whole different view of education. They yeah. thought education was critical to the survival of the nation and that you had to have a, a virtuous and moral citizenry base. And so they wanted to Can you edu- give us
3: some quotes from a founding father uh, that, that believed that?
4: Oh, I, I, I can give you a whole lot. As a matter of fact, in the book Original Intent, we have probably 30 or 40 quotes from different founding fathers signed the Constitution Declaration about that. And because they thought – and see, well, let, let me say one. Then I'll show you where we are. They wanted literate people. They wanted people who could think. They wanted people who knew academic basics. Therefore, they could go into science. They could go into industry. They could go into sailing. They could go into entrepreneurship. They wanted people who were moral and virtuous because – a, a moral and virtuous people needs less external restraints. If you yeah. control yourself on the inside, you don't need the government controlling you on the outside. Yeah. So, I love the
3: quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, uh, education without values seems to only make man a more clever devil.
4: That, that's exactly well. And Benjamin Rush, the father of public schools under the Constitution, signer under the Declaration, said that without religion, learning does real mischief to the morals and principles of mankind. If you take religion out of education—that's that, that, why, by the way, in 1844— ni- in And a unanimous U.S. Supreme Court decision, the Supreme Court of the United States, a zero decision ruled that if you're going to be a government-operated, government-funded school, you will teach the Bible in schools. That is not optional. Now, why? Because we had people like the Speaker of the House, Robert Winthrop, who said you're governed either by the Bible or by the bayonet. You're governed internally by what God says, or we're going to have to beat it into you from the outside. And that's why a lot
3: of public schools today, they've got to have police officers that's right. in the schools how many
4: police officers you got at your christian school none wow i haven't seen a fight in 10 years see uh, now, and but i that, went to a public school and i mean there were fights all the time but see when you deal with and, and jesus tells us that all crime mark 70 says all crime comes from the heart mm. if you can't control the heart you can't control that and that's why gun control never works yeah i mean now go back to before gun control go back to the time uh, of the beginning uh, of of adam and eve you have Cain who kills Abel with a rock. He picks up a rock, clubs his brother it dead. doesn't need a gun. No, we need. but what we need is rock control laws. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. if Congress <laughs> would pass rock control laws, no one else would ever be clubbed. No, it's, it's a heart issue. It doesn't matter what the technology is. doesn't matter if it's rocks or clubs yeah. or sticks or spears or arrows. doesn't matter if it's if it's assault rifles or any. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I if had you've a, got I had, the right heart, it doesn't matter.
3: I had a Chinese student, because we have international students here at school, he goes, we don't have any problems with uh, murder by guns. It's nice. <laughs> I said— I, see, I go, yeah, you're not allowed to have guns. He goes, yeah. He goes, we have lots of knife
4: deaths. That's understand? right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so like, we need knife control laws. Yeah, exactly. No, you need heart. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, the founding fathers believed that you funded any educational system that got you those outcomes. If you had moral and virtuous students that could read and that knew math and science, that's what we're, And so they funded every single form of education. The, I think there were about nine different schools. You had the Old Phil schools, the Thame schools, the Latin schools, yeah. uh, the parochial schools. And we now have,
3: we have about, I think it's 25 states that are now doing private school choice, school choice all the way, all the way around.
4: There is. There's some kind of choice going, and there will be, uh, probably Texas will be added to that list this year. I think two others as well. Yeah, I was so surprised they hadn't up. already done that. No, no, Texas has got about 68% state. Wide support for full school choice, and our rural educators are or, or, excuse me, our rural legislators are scared to death of rural educators, and they because in the rural districts the biggest employer is the school, and they say, oh no, you're not going to have choice. Well, who cares? It's going to take that, away those jobs. That's or right. Who cares? Yeah. That sixty-eight percent of the state wants it. Yeah, we don't. And 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 so this is the insider politics. You know, I've been in politics a long time, so it's, it's just ugly stuff. Yeah. But what happens is, you look at where we are today. We average spending one hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars in the nation to put kids from K through twelve, so thirteen years of school. And currently, over the last fifteen years, nineteen percent of all graduating seniors are one hundred percent illiterate. They cannot read at all. Whoa! We're spending 164. I have not heard th- that stat. Oh yeah, that's um, no. You real. won't hear that stat because yeah. it makes educational establishment look bad. What we need is Common Core. If we can just change our, right no, yeah, it, because we've now been Common Core almost 10 years. New York and Kentucky have it. Their scores have gone down. Mm. You see, we never means tested anything. We just always come up with a new idea. How about going back to what worked? You know, uh, John Adams said it's more com. It's easier to find a calm in the guy than to find an illiterate person in America. Now, that was the way it was then – but you see, the way it is now, 19% a year of our graduating seniors cannot read their own diploma. And,
3: and would and would you argue that's because there is not that ability to choose an education? To,
4: well, or, or yeah. If, if there was competition, we wouldn't keep eating hamburgers that had worms crawling out of yeah, them. Yeah, You know, we would go across the if street to another, a different place and get something option. different. That's right. Yeah. But right now, the government says, oh, no, no, the only thing we're going to pay for is hamburgers that have worms crawling yeah. out of them. You're going to eat these. are going to force you
3: to stay in that school regardless of how bad that's a right. job is. That's doing. right. That's right care
4: well, and, because we want those teachers employed and what they ought to say is we all we care about is the outcome we want students who are equipped and can go into jobs and they can do science and they can do math and they can do entrepreneurship and they can do medicine and they can do literature we want kids who are trained and can do that and they say, no no no, that's not what we want we <laughs> want kids who think the way we tell them we, we want them thinking right about the climate and about an environment we want them thinking right about abortion and about marriage and
3: it's indoctrination. Oh, totally. And yeah. in, indoctrination is teaching something uncritically without right. being able to hear the without other Without hearing uh, both sides. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Now, um, David, we've got about a minute and a half left. I could have gone for another hour with <laughs> you. But, but um, Jefferson did not make his own
4: Bible. No, he did not. Jefferson did two things. People tell me, oh, how can you support Jefferson? He hated the Bible so much that, that he cut out all the things he disagreed with, cut out all the miraculous. Say, what are you talking about? The Jefferson Bible. I say, which one? They go, huh? Yeah. That, that tells me they don't have a clue. Yeah. And I, I, I've asked them, have you ever read it to see what's in it? No, but everybody says it's cut out. Okay. There's two that he did, one in 1804, one in 1820. 1804, he was dealing with a missionary uh, – He had read sermons. He said, the way you get to the Indians is you do not give them the Bible because they might read things like the genealogies. They might read things like Leviticus. Give them the teachings of Jesus. So Jefferson sat down and went through in the White House with two Bibles and cut out essentially the red letters of Jesus, pasted them end to end. That's the Jefferson Bible. Yeah. It has Jesus healing the sick, Jesus raising the dead, Jesus being the Son of God. It has resurrection, heaven, hell, angels. It has all that stuff. Oh, he cut out all the stuff he disagreed with. Well, then he did one in 1820 called The Life and Morals where he took 81 moral teachings of Jesus and said if you'll live by the moral teachings. In 1904, Congress took Jefferson's Life and Morals Reprint and it gave it to every congressman for 50 years said if you'll live by the teachings of Jesus, you'll stay out of trouble. That's the other Jefferson Bible. What is the deal about he hated the Bible so... Yeah. He's a lifetime they, they, member of people, the Virginia pe- Bible Society.
3: People accuse him of making up his own Bible, but what he and was he doing didn't. was just saying, I love the sayings of Jesus here, and that's I'm going right. to emphasize And I'm going to help
4: get them out to people. Yeah. He wasn't making up his and own And that's religion. why we did the Jefferson Lies book, so people would know that's the awesome. truth about what happened.
3: Wallbuilders.com. Check out Jefferson's Lies, one of my favorite books, but he has got tons of resources. David, thank you for being on the show today.
4: My pleasure, Kev. Thanks for having me. Okay, God bless you. For those of you listening,
3: I hope you have a fantastic Saturday. Uh, don't just listen, but take what you, listen, what you hear and uh, put it into action. Get involved in your community and your schools and uh, make a difference for Christ. Okay, take care. We'll see you next Saturday.
0: Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at educateforlife.com.
1: You will always be much more to me.
3: Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me
5: I'm not right.